Good morning. Um, Today's reading is from the Philippians, um, chapter 4, verses 4 through 20. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say, be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things, whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us. The God of peace will be with you. I was very glad in the Lord because you now, because you now at last you have shown concern for me again. Of course, you were always concerned but had no way to show it. I'm not saying this because I need anything, for I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and of having more than enough. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every circumstance, whether full or hungry or whether having plenty or being poor. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. Still, you have done well to share my distress. You Philippians know from the time of my first mission work in Macedonia how no church shared in supporting my ministry except you. You sent contributions repeatedly to take care of my needs even while I was in Thessalonica. I'm not hoping for a gift, but I am hoping for a profit that accumulates in your account. I now have plenty and it is more than enough. I am full to overflowing because I have received the gifts that you sent from Epaphroditus. Those gifts give off a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice that pleases God. My God will meet your every need out of his riches in the glory that is found in Christ Jesus. Let glory be given to God our Father forever and always. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Julia. For the past few weeks, we have been on a journey through some biblical passages that so often we take and we know them, we use them, we recite them, we put them on coffee mugs and T-shirts and plaques and all kinds of things. We use them as an encouragement in our lives, but, but sometimes we use them or misuse them and potentially even abuse what they actually mean to us. I think the goal of this series is for hopefully us to understand what these verses meant in their own context and how they can apply to us today. So to understand what Jeremiah meant when he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Or Paul when he said that all things work for good. To comprehend that Jesus set up the phrase, Ask and you shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. That it was in the context of how you pray the Lord's Prayer, what you are seeking. 
Today we're going to look at Paul's maxim, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and try to understand what Paul means. I've come to a realization. When I sat down and thought about this for a moment, I was thinking about the way that that I view my life, and, and I know that I'm like anybody else. I may spend way too much time thinking about the microcosm of my own circumstances. I, I'm most familiar with my own circumstances. So I spend a lot of time thinking about them. I spend time praying about them. And often I pray for God to give me strength through something that's going on. Usually it's not a joy in your life that you are seeking God's strength to get through. It's usually some kind of circumstance that is a challenge and you want God to strengthen you and bolster you to get you through that. I was thinking about some of the worst times in my life, if I've ever really had a worst time in my life and what my prayer life might have been like during that. Most of you know that I've been divorced previously, remarried for a really long, happy time. 20 years next year for Margaret and I will be celebrating, but You know, you think about divorce, if you've ever been through that, that's not exactly one of the easiest things in life to get through. You need strength to persevere through it. I remember when I was in the Air Force, I left a few possessions with some friends in Homestead, Florida. And and I didn't have time when I got out of the service to go collect them. And in 1994, anybody remember what happened in Homestead in 1994? Hurricane Andrew came through and pretty much wiped out the whole southern tip of Florida. Well, those few things that I loved and had left with some friends are somewhere out in the Gulf right now, you know, kind of thing. I don't have those anymore. But I remember also when my youngest daughter told me she was moving to Ohio to attend school, the rest of her schooling. That was a pretty traumatic time in, in our life, especially when she found out that her fiancé was going to work at a church in Ohio as well. So we kind of got the clue that there was a dual-edged kind of thing going on here, right? But maybe the most disturbing thing that happened to me was when I went to a district committee of ordained ministry. Now, this will encourage any of you who are thinking about going into church work. Here's the story here, right here, right? I'm sitting in this meeting. I, I am asked to tell my story, a little bit about my journey to a group of about 20-some-odd pastors and laity that are sitting around in a semicircle. And I'm telling them about my story of going to college after high school and then going into the service and spending some time in the Air Force and then getting out of the Air Force and going into the business world for a period of time. And now that I was looking at the vocation of ministry, there was a frail woman woman sitting right next to me on my right. I remember exactly where she was sitting. You'd have thought she was near death. She looked like she was 110. She had this nose piece on and her oxygen tank with her. And she looked at me and as clearly spoken as possible said, Boy, it sounds like you have no idea what it is you want to do in life. There's the most encouraging words for ministry I have ever heard in my life. E. Marie Hyatt would be the person who said that to me. Some people around here know who Marie Hyatt is. And she could get away with saying those things to a young person, right? If I really think about it, and if I really assess all of these things in my life, I'll have to be honest with you, dear friends, I have really had no traumatic kinds of events that have happened in my life. Challenges, setbacks, yes. Things that have transpired that have come along, yes. But anything really insurmountable, no. None of those things have presented themselves in my life yet. But that may not be your story. Your story might be a little bit different. 
There have been things that you have encountered that might have been traumatic, and it took insurmountable kinds of effort and strength to get through it because it seemed like a mountain you would never get over. You might have dealt with the death of someone in your family or close proximity that died way too early in life, much before their time. It might be a life-threatening kind of illness that you have persevered through and you've seen the other side of. Some of us have endured financial hardships that no one else around us ever knew about. But boy, they were a challenge. They were significant for us. Others of us, we know the pain and trauma of relationships that have gone awry. They, they suck the life out of us. They take everything that we have just to navigate and be in relationship with this person. Some of us, it's a little bit more inside of us. It's the personal things that we deal with that manifest in anxiety, depression, other forms of turmoil that just simply captivate us. We know hardships. We know what it is to persevere through those things. And we are praying for God to give us strength to overcome. Many of us want to get back to what we would consider to be a normal life. We want to get back to just the good life. And so that's what our prayers are focused on. And we think that if we have enough of the strength of Christ, we'll get there. Well, here's a newsflash, dear friends. That's not what Paul meant when he penned these words to the Philippian community. Actually, if you think about their context, in the letter that Paul writes, he writes to them a letter of thanksgiving. He acknowledges many things in this letter. Paul acknowledges the goodness that has been present in his life. He lists things like gifts that have been given to him that have met the physical needs that he had. He talked about the outward signs of the Philippian community who supported him in many different ways. He talks about companionship that comes and walks with him on his journey. People like Timothy, people like Epaphroditus. Paul recounts that in many parts of his life he's had enough. Ample. Plenty. But Paul also knows that there are times in his life where he was in great need. Where he was in great want. He talks about not having enough food or shelter. Being in prison at one point of his life. He was despised. He was persecuted. Even by his own people in Jerusalem. He was beaten. He finds himself often in distress. He knows the teeter-totter of the good and the bad. He knows what it means to have plenty and to want. And yet Paul did not pray for God to deliver him from want to plenty. Paul did not use these words to encourage anyone for that to be their, their prayer, strength, to move from the bad circumstances to the better circumstances, to move from worse to better. Actually, Paul is professing that he can overcome, that he can make it through any of life's circumstances because of the sufficiency of Christ in his life and what he is seeking from Christ, not when it comes to physical security and safety, but when it comes to his mission to the world. Here's what Paul means by, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or as in the CEB, I can endure all these things because of the power of the one who gives me strength. Paul prays for more of Christ in his life each and every day. He prays for the, the strength of Christ to fill him 
for these purposes. That he might meet the mission of God that he is sent on. And through those that are around him, give thanks to God for all things. I think the example of Paul is relevant to us today. How we might think about our own prayer life. How we might encapsulate what it is that we are really seeking from God. To realize that in Jesus Christ we have ample, we have plenty in our lives. That Christ is sufficient for all things and gives us strength to endure no matter what transpires, whether it is good or whether it is bad. And to pray that God continue to strengthen us in such a way so that we might be sent out to participate in God's fullest vision, and that is the transformation of the world. Because that's ultimately what we are all invited to. It isn't about our personal agendas. It isn't about our selfish wants and desires. It isn't about God transforming the negative in our lives to the good that we have in mind or in vision. It's about God's strength working in us that no matter what our circumstances are, we can still be focused on what God invites us to. To be a part of His work in the world. From that, that, that kind of study, I, I was thinking about that. I came to some realizations from my own self this week. I realized that I need to, to alter my own prayer life and the way that I think and how I pray for God's strength each and every day. That it not be focused on my own personal needs and agenda as much as it is focused on God giving me the strength to put those things aside, to make it through them, but they not be the primary purpose of my day. Rather, what is it God's inviting me to in his service? And that it not be solely about me because I've got plenty. I've come to the realization that I'm, I'm pretty well off and that what I think are my needs are pretty petty concerned to all the rest of things that are going on around us. I've also come to realize that in many ways I need to be awoken to the world and to understand what's transpiring beyond my own doorstep at home. To be reminded that that it's pretty easy for me to live in the privilege of a a white man who lives right here in the Midtown area. And and to live in a community of people that's fairly affluent. and, And to live comfortably as well. To know that what I do is I find myself living in my bubble. I'm pretty insulated by everything around me. And that realistically, I have no clue what's going on outside of my bubble. That often I have no clue what it means to be, say, a person of color in this world. To live within a community where there is a deep level of tension and fear. And that's the constant norm of your existence. To live at a level of need that would force me to even consider breaking the law just simply to survive. I have no idea what that world is like. Because I live in a bubble. I live in a wonderful bubble. But I know that I need to be better informed about what's going on in the world around us. And that from that, let God strengthen me for His purposes to transform the world into His vision. Are you with me, friends? Are you hearing? Our our new bishop, this would be the point in, if he was preaching this sermon... He would say, can I get a witness or can I get an amen? That's what he would stop and say. And all of us would be sitting out there going, yes, amen, I'm with you, Bishop, right? 
How many of you, that's your realization about life as well? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is Paul's invitation to live in the fullness of Christ so that you might be a person empowered for peace, justice, and reconciliation. Not only in your own heart and your own home, but in the world around you as well. And to understand that this is part of our heritage. If you think about John Wesley, Wesley was well known for this. He was part of his own work in his world. To be a person who was actively involved in what was going on for the circumstances of those who were the poor and oppressed in England. And that he lived in the full strength of Christ to do everything that he could to transform their circumstances, to participate in God's work. He counseled all of those in his day by his writings and his preaching. And I think it's good words of encouragement for us today. To be reminded that that Wesley said, do all the good that you can by all the means that you can in all of the ways that you can in all of the places that you can to all the people that you can as long as you ever can. I think he pretty well encapsulated everything right there, right? That was his belief and he taught this as well. He believed that God gave you the strength to carry this mission out. He said, unless God has raised you up for this very thing, unless God has given you the strength, You will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God is with you, if God has strengthened you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? No, he says. So be not weary in well-doing. Paul understood the sufficiency of Christ and the strength to carry out God's vision. John Wesley emulates this in his words as well. And Wesley went on to say that from this we should also see the kingdom of God emerge among us. He said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but death, and such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. That it is possible for us to see new things, for us to see God's vision unfold among us, if we will engage in it, if we will allow the strength of Christ to live in us for these purposes. So friends, what I want to encourage you today is not to recede into the prayers of your want, your want for plenty, your want for the things that make life comfortable, but rather recede into the prayers of asking God to strengthen you in Christ for His purposes, that you might experience peace, justice, and reconciliation, yes, in your home and in your heart, but that you might participate in the world as well. So as you move away from this moment, a couple of things that I hope that you just simply remember about this conversation. To be reminded that each of us has or we might be enduring things in our lives that are beyond our human strength. And so often we pray that God give us the strength to make it through that circumstance. We might claim Paul's words in such a moment and case, but we misuse or misapply it. Because Paul wasn't teaching the Philippians to pray that way, to live that way. He was exhorting them to do God's work in the world, knowing that God would give them the strength to do it, no matter what their circumstances were. And that for many of us, we need to wake up. We need to get out of our little bubble. We need to see the big picture of the broken world that is around us and God's remedy of love for all things and that God might give us the strength to work for such ends. Justice peace, and reconciliation.
So here's your invitation for today. Think about your prayer life in this moment. What is it that you have been praying for recently? Have you been praying for God to strengthen you so that you might make it through a circumstance? Hear God's invitation today. To pray for the strength to do God's work in the world. Maybe to break out of the cycle of our self-centered kinds of nature and prayers. And to thank God that in many circumstances you have plenty. And that in many ways, maybe some of our circumstances are petty. But that God is going to give us the strength to do His work no matter what's going on around us. And then maybe to also think about this, to assess what it is that's going on in the world around us. Because if you don't realize it, I I think the world's on fire around us. Amen? I mean, that's one I hope you all can agree on. If you've been paying attention. There is enough chaos. There is enough fear going on. It's being propelled in so many ways by those who speak from our televisions and our radios. And it can make you just simply want to retreat from the world. But that's not what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to be actively engaged in this. To be people who are informed about what is transpiring beyond Facebook's rhetoric and all of the news that's out there. And to seek God's strength to engage in meaningful conversation and activities that would bring justice in our world. So I want to invite you now to a time of prayer. To do so, we're going to use one of our liturgical forms that's found in your hymnal. So I want to encourage you to each take out a hymn. And would you please turn to page number 8. We're going to participate in what's called the prayer of confession this morning. Christ our Lord invites us to earnestly repent of our sin. He invites us to seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, I invite all of you to join with me as we confess our sin before God and before one another. Let us pray, saying, Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. And free us for joyful obedience through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We seek the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit so that we might be instruments of your justice and peace. And so, dear friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory be to God. Amen. And so, O God, as we go forth, we ask that you grant us the strength to go into the world, that we may be living signs of your peace, your justice, and your reconciliation for all people. 